Well, good evening, Celebration Church. How's everyone doing tonight? Doing well? Good to see you. Uh, good to have everyone at our campuses in Stevens Point and Appleton. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, tonight we are continuing on our series on the Lord's Prayer, uh, where we're kind of taking a look at the idea that the disciples, they asked Jesus a question. They saw Jesus getting away and Jesus was praying and uh, Jesus was kind of known to do this. Throughout the New Testament, he would get away and he would pray, and oftentimes he'd get up early in the morning, he'd go into a remote place, he'd go to a specific place where he could be away from distractions even, possibly, and he'd get away and pray, and the disciples one day caught him doing this, and I don't know if they're following him around or if they just were observing him, but they, they noticed something was different about his prayer, and in Luke chapter 11, you do see the disciples asking, Jesus to teach them how to pray. They said, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And so uh, it's something we all need to learn and uh, to be refreshed on and to have an effective prayer life, it's good to learn how to pray. So that's what we're looking at. And we're also in a season of prayer that we've kind of entered into at the church that we're calling 21 Days of Prayer, where we're taking 21 days. We started on uh, January 7th and we'll finish up on the 27th, and we're doing 21 days of prayer. And really, I want to invite you to join us. We're doing it at all of our campuses. We gather at 6.15 in the morning, a little bit early, uh, but we get together at 6.15, and we spend 45 minutes in prayer. And uh, it shouldn't be anything that would intimidate you. I know those that have been coming uh, have really enjoyed it, and it's been meaningful for them in their life. And we're hearing repeated stories of people saying, man, I'm finally getting the habit of prayer in my life. And it's really making a difference. And so the way those services start is with a little quick 10-minute message on prayer uh, from someone on the staff at the church. And we start with that. And then we've got prayer requests from all of our campuses on the front of our stages. And people come up and grab those. And then we've got prayer guides that really kind of help you walk through a morning of prayer. It takes about 20, 25 minutes to go through that prayer time. Uh, and then also to cover uh, the, the prayer requests that are laid out. And then we've got a daily prayer focus. So every day, we're focusing in on a different area of prayer. Like this morning, we prayed for uh, our volunteers, and we prayed for our life groups, and we prayed for people to get connected. And you'll notice at all of our campuses, uh, even this evening, there's opportunities to get connected, a bit of a ministry expo with different life groups, volunteer opportunities and places for you to get connected. And if you're going to go down a spiritual path of growth, it's really important to get connected. So we prayed for that this morning, that people that walk into this church would get connected. We prayed for people that volunteer in the different spaces. There's ushers, greeters, people that volunteer in kids' areas, all these different places in the church. We prayed over the people that do that and those that walk into the church that they would see a friendly, smiling face. Uh, we're kind of coining our volunteers the dream team. And actually, uh, Pastor Ben, our youth pastor this morning, gave the message, and it was a, man, it was a, a exhilarating message on the dream team from Basketball Olympics, if anyone remembers that. 
And uh, it, was a, it was a good little message about the dream team, this, these guys that got together and played basketball. Anyhow, great messages every morning, and then only on Saturdays we gather at nine. So uh, you're, you're welcome to join us, even if you've not participated with it. We would encourage you to join with us and walk through that season of prayer. And so on Wednesday nights in January, we're walking through the Lord's Prayer, which breaks down really seven different aspects of prayer that if we integrate those into our prayer life, we're going to have a more robust, theologically accurate, we're going to have a better prayer life. And so that's what we're diving into during this time. And the Lord's Prayer isn't so much as what to pray, even though we pray it and uh, we say it on Sunday mornings with churches from all over the world for uh, decades upon decades. People have been praying this prayer, and it's a cool prayer to pray. But it wasn't so much what to pray as it was how to pray. So we're walking through that. And, and people have been forming great habits. And uh, it's a great time to do this. It's the new year where we like to jump in and create new habits. And, and I don't know about you, but there's kind of two different types of habits in the world. There's habits that tend to just roll downhill like a snowball gathering speed, and those tend to be the the bad habits in life, right? And and we're all experts at having those bad habits. Like, I don't have to try hard to eat everything that's put in front of my face. Can anyone relate? You know, we don't have to try hard to not exercise. We don't have to try hard to not do our homework. We don't have to try hard to, to, to not have positive, healthy relationships in our lives. Those things come pretty naturally to us. But it's, it's, the, it's the uphill habits that take some work. And spiritual disciplines are like that. It always takes a little bit of effort. It takes some work. And so developing a habit of prayer doesn't happen on accident. It happens because you make the decision to start praying. Aristotle has this quote. He says, we are all what we repeatedly do. You really are the sum total of the things that you do over and over again in your life. So whether it's being healthy or having healthy finances or healthy relationships or a healthy spiritual life, you're going to be the sum total of the things you repeatedly do. So we need to form good habits in our lives. So as we head into 2018, we've set this time aside so that you personally could develop a great prayer time in your life, but we're also doing this for us, for us as a church We really do want to see our communities transformed, and we know that God has always worked through his people, and God responds to prayer. He's called us to pray, and it's what we're doing. So that's what 21 Days of Prayer is all about. It's about seeing our communities transformed, about seeing people meet Jesus, and to be transformed by his love. So we would ask that you join us. If you've got a free morning, if you can get up a little bit earlier before work, we'll, we, we promise we'll get you out of here in time to shove off at seven o'clock. And if it just doesn't work for you, you can go to our website and our prayer guides are on there. And then we've, we've also been fasting. And let me encourage you, uh, if you've never fasted, to consider fasting. A lot of us have entered into this time of prayer along with fasting. And fasting is kind of this idea of making room for God in your life. And our lives tend to get very cluttered with all kinds of different things piling into our lives. My car can be that way. Um, 
I was driving my son Charlie and his cousin Elliot, and, and Elliot has this kind of habit of saying whatever it is that's in his head. You know, these little kids, they say whatever they think. And he said, this is the, this is the second dirtiest car I've ever been in. <laughs> and he's in my back seat. I had just recently taken my kids to a movie, and they brought the popcorn afterwards, and into the car, and that popcorn's all over the back seat. So I'm picking them up, and there's stuff in the car. But there's things that accumulate in my car, whether it's popcorn from a movie, or my backpack, or I'm hauling something from here to there. But if I'm picking up a bunch of people, and I got to drive them around, I got to clear some stuff out of the car to make room for the people so they can ride in my car. That's kind of the idea of fasting. It's clearing some junk out of your life so that you can make room for God in your life. And that's what we've been doing. We've been fasting. And, and, and really, it's, it's an amazing time where you can take all of these desires that, that tend to grab you or all these distractions that tend to be in your life, and you take it out by giving something up. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's candy. Maybe it's caffeine. Maybe it's giving up Facebook or something like that. And giving something up to make space for God in your life. So we've been entering into that as well. And so if you're going to grow in your life, it's important to get your focus on God. God, and prayer and fasting is a great way to do that. So we're kicking off the year in that way. Romans chapter 12, out of the message translation, uh, says this pretty cool. It says, says this. It says, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. So if you want to fast forward to the next verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. They don't have that one. <laughs> they only have verse one. All right, verse two, just trust me in this. It says, fix your attention on God. The next sentence is, you'll be changed from the inside out. A lot of people, they try to change their lives by going after all of the external things in their life, thinking that's going to fix their life. But the Bible says that the way you change is from the inside out. And the way that happens is by fixing your attention on God. One of the best ways to do that is to develop a good prayer life. To develop habits in your life like fasting, like reading your Bible. These things will fix your attention on God so you can be transformed from the inside out. It goes on to say, readily recognize what he wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best out of you, and he develops well-formed maturity in you. If you want to be mature, if you want to grow in your life, it starts with fixing your attention on God. And that's what we're inviting you into. So we really do ask that you join with us. Pick some mornings and join with us here at the church. You won't believe the transformation, the healing, uh, the answers to prayer that will come into your life during this time. And we've been repeating this idea of pray first, of what would our lives look like if we would just kind of live with that motto of pray first, that before our feet hit the ground, 
before we eat a meal, before we let our kids run off to school, before we have a meeting with somebody at work. But what, what if we would pray first? And so that's what I'm encouraging you to do. If you, if you don't remember anything from this series, remember the idea of pray first. It's this idea of putting God first in our life. And that's, that's Christianity. It's reordering your life so that God has first place. In fact, it's the first four words that we read in the Bible. Genesis chapter one says, in the beginning, God. That, that in the beginning, God creates. It's the beginning of everything is with God. In Exodus chapter 20, we see it in the Ten Commandments. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. The word gods means loves or passions. And God's not against you having other loves or other passions in your life. In fact, those are great things. Those are gifts from God. He's just saying, don't have those things in front of me. Put me first. And, and by praying first, it's a great way to prioritize God, to put him first, to reorient our life. So tonight, we'll continue digging through the Lord's prayer. So to quickly recap, we started this two weeks ago, and if you haven't been here, if you missed any of those messages, two weeks ago, we started the Lord's Prayer, going through the first couple aspects of it. Last week, we covered a few more, and tonight, we'll jump into one more aspect of it. So just quickly, this is kind of how the prayer is broken down to teach you how to pray. The first line in the Lord's Prayer is, our Father in heaven. So it's about connecting with God relationally. The first thing that Jesus changes when it comes to prayer is that we can approach God like a father, which is totally new. So when the disciples are asking Jesus, how do we pray? This is a, a brand new concept to them, and it might be a brand new concept to you. A lot of us, we came from religious backgrounds where we thought, you know, we need to have a mediator if we're going to connect with God. We, get, we gotta go to a priest. We gotta go to somebody that can help connect us with God and pray on our behalf. But Jesus says, no, we can go to God like a child goes to his dad, that we can go to God confidently as sons and daughters and approach the throne of grace for the needs that we have in our life and that God answers prayer. So just as easy as it is for my kids to tell me what they want, what they need, what's going on in their day, to have a conversation with me, we should be able to approach our Heavenly Father in the same way, like our dad. So that was one, connect with God relationally. Number two is the line, hallowed be your name. So it's about worshiping God and his name. And last week, we even looked at some of the names that God has in the Bible and that how those names should cause us to have an attitude of praise and worship, that God is the God that heals our diseases. God is the God that forgives. God's the God that redeems situations that, that Satan meant for harm, but God takes them and weaves them into stories that are good, that it's a reason to give God praise, that, that we can praise his name. And last week, we talked about the idea of praising God before we have the answer, that before we have the answer to the things that we're praying God and trusting him for in our life, that we can have an attitude of praise. Last week I talked about uh, my, uh, my, my old 1987 Volkswagen Jetta that broke down, and I was, I was 
paranoid about how am I going to go to school and finish up college? How am I going to go to work so I can pay the bills? How, how am I going to do any of this now that my car's broken down, isn't working? And when I called my mom and she said, we're going to give you the 1996 Dodge Intrepid, which I thought was the pinnacle of all automobile creation. I knew that the Intrepid was on its way down to Oklahoma, and I knew everything was going to be okay because mom said the Intrepid was on the way. And I, I had this sense of relief inside of me. And that's the idea of knowing that God has got the answer for you, that it is on its way, and we can have an attitude of praise towards God. So number two, hallowed be your name, is the line in the, in the Lord's Prayer. The third line is, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So this is, this is about praying God's agenda first in our lives. This is kind of living with that eternal mindset and having eternal eyes. And, and we had a whole series about this in November called Legacy, where we talked about the idea of making a difference right here, right now, that's gonna last for eternity. That when we go out to eat, when we rub shoulders out in the marketplace, when, when we're connecting with people at work, when we're living at home, when we're going through a struggle, when we're going through situations, whatever it is, that God is still at work. And we can get so caught up and consumed by being focused on the destination of going from point A to point B that we forget to focus in on God. And so that was number three, is praying God's kingdom to come, that heaven would meet earth right here, right now. That in heaven, there is no more sickness, there is no more pain, there are no more uh, uh, upside down bank accounts, that these things are no longer in heaven, and that believe it or not, we can pray for those things to happen right here, right now, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth, right here, right now, as it is in heaven. We can pray about those things. And that kind of leads in to the fourth point that we covered last week, which was depend on him for everything. It's this line, give us this day our daily bread. And there's this great verse out of Psalm 121. It says, God promises to supply all of our needs. It talks about that. He says he wants to answer our problems, that he wants to us to trust him to provide. It says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? No, my help doesn't come from the things that God creates. All these things that we do, we have to do them in life. We have to have jobs. Uh, we have to raise our kids. We have to do all these things. But our help doesn't come from created things. Our help comes from the creator. It says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So the next line being, God, pray for our daily bread. And not to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough troubles of its own. Let's focus in on what God's got for us here today. So number five, we're adding on to this tonight, is the line, forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Uh, another translation uh, in the NIV, which is where we're kind of at in this section in Matthew, it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We'll read some verses that kind of use that analogy of a debt here in just a moment. But God has offered us complete forgiveness, that no matter what you've done in your life or what you will do, 
that God's got grace for you, God's got mercy for you, God's got forgiveness for you, that we can turn away from our sin, that we can give it all to God and have the weight taken off our shoulders. That God forgives, that he has forgiveness for you, but he's called us to forgive others. So forgive others and be forgiven is number five in the Lord's Prayer. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we are faithful to confess our sins, the Bible says God will forgive you. So as we have a habit of prayer in our life, an important part of saying, God, would you search me? Are there any evil ways inside of me? Is there anything that I need forgiveness for? And uh, man, I've been going through this uh, in our times of prayer in the morning. What I've been doing uh, during our times is I just walk through the Lord's prayer. And, uh, and, and during that time of asking God for forgiveness, what I've been doing is just visualizing what Jesus did for us on the cross. That, and it's almost embarrassing that, that my sin, Jesus was beaten, that Jesus was crucified for the things that I did. And I, I just envision that moment of Jesus dying on the cross for my sin. And I say, Jesus, thank you for taking my sin. Thank you that, that, that you went to the cross. And I'm sorry that that had to happen. But thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy and your grace towards me. So he repeats through the Lord's prayer this idea of forgiveness and, and, and we read it in verse nine, the Lord's prayer it says, this then is how you should pray. He goes through these different points. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those uh, who have uh, our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And there's a lot of mind-blowing thoughts that Jesus could have reiterated, that he could have underscored as he was going through the Lord's Prayer. Like, it was a radical thought in that day that we can approach God as our Father. He could have, he could have reiterated that point for the disciples. He could have underscored the idea of the kingdom coming, that his will could be done right here, right now. That, that the things that are broken, the things that aren't as they should be, that we could pray that God is, as things are in heaven, bring those things right here, right now. He could have underscored that point. He could have underscored the thought of God providing for you, that, that he's got daily bread, that whatever you need today, God has. But what he underscores is in verse 14, if you can put that up. It says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Next verse. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. So Jesus jumps back into that idea of forgiveness and says, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. <coughs> this is Christianity 101, forgiving people. 
See, there's a condition to God forgiving you. There's a condition to God's kingdom coming. There's a condition to these things that are in heaven being right here, right now, to daily bread being provided for you. And it's this idea of forgiving others, that forgiveness is not an optional part of faith. You know, a lot of Christianity is optional. Like, like you don't have to go to church on Sundays. You don't have to come to the Bible study. Should you come to church on Sunday mornings? Absolutely, you should. Will you have a successful Christian life if you don't regularly connect with the people of God? Yeah, probably not. Should you pray? Yes, you should pray. Now, does this determine your eternal standing of whether you go to heaven or whether you go to hell? It does not. Should you pray, though? Yes, you should pray. Do you have to read the Bible? No, you don't have to read the Bible, but you should read the Bible. But forgiveness is a totally different thing. We see here that forgiveness is totally not optional in the life of the believer. This is something that we have to do. This determines your eternal destiny. When it comes to the idea of forgiveness, Jesus says, if you don't forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive you your sins. So do you really want to risk your eternal standing, where you'll spend eternity over whether or not you're able to forgive people or not? Forgiveness is something that isn't optional. We'll look at this verse in a couple different places. In Matthew chapter 18, it says this. It says, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven, loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything, they ask for it, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. It's, again, it's kind of going to this idea of prayer, that we can go to God with our needs and God will answer our prayers that ever, whatever we bind here on earth, it's like the same heaven and earth coming together in this really amazing way that even though things aren't as they should be, we can trust God for things in our life. But it goes on to say this. It goes into the parable of the unmerciful servant. So it's this continuing of this idea of how prayer changes things. But then it says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sinned against me? Like, should I do this up to seven times? Like five, six, maybe even seven times, Jesus? I think Peter thought here he was like, you know, really going over the top and impressing Jesus, you know? Like how many times do I have to forgive somebody, you know? If someone hurts me once, you know, I'll forgive them. If somebody comes at me again, I can do it two times. Jesus, if someone hurts me a third time, I can walk in forgiveness. If someone offends me, if someone ticks me off, Jesus, what do you think? Should I do it all the way up to seven times? And look how Jesus responds in verse 22. Jesus answers, he says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. How many times do I need to forgive somebody that ticks me off? Jesus says, you need to do it 77 times. And I don't think it's even so much about the number here, but Jesus is giving us more of an idea of a lifestyle, that it's something you're gonna have to do over and over and over again, that we're gonna have to have a lifestyle of 
forgiveness inside of us, that it just is something that never ends. We always will have to forgive. So it goes on and says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold. This is uh, about 20 years of a Greek laborer's wages. This might be probably somewhere in the neighborhood of over $1 million. So he owes this great debt of over a million dollars. So he owns this, owes this debt of 10,000 bags of gold, and since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master, it says, took pity on him, and he canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. Uh, this, is about, this is 100 denarii is, the, is the, uh, the currency of the day. This is about a day's wage. So he owes him you know, about a day's worth of pay. And so he owes him just a little bit of silver, about a day's worth of pages and it, uh, of, of pay. And it says he grabbed him and began to choke him and said, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees, probably because he was getting choked out. He falls to his knees and he begged him and he said, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused and instead he went off and the man had him thrown into prison until he could pay off the debts. When the other servants saw what, would, what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in and said, you wicked servant, I cancel all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And then verse 35, scary verse, says this. It says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. See, forgiveness is not an optional thing in the life of the believer. Jesus says, this is how I will treat you just as that story the guy who didn't pay back the silver, he gets choked out and hands him over to the jailer to be tortured while he received this major forgiveness in his life. He said, you're no longer forgiven. I'm gonna treat you like the guy who threw the guy to be tortured by the jailers. That's how I'm going to treat you. That does not sound good. Can anyone agree? You don't wanna be tortured throughout all of eternity. That whatever anyone's done to you is like a hundred silver coins compared to the debt you owe God because of your sin. Our sin separates us from God. And praise God that, that it's not because of how good we are, right? It's his righteousness. We can't be good enough. And praise God that he's merciful. And praise God that he's gracious, that he's slow to anger, that he forgives, forgives us of our sin. But we need to forgive others so that we can receive the forgiveness that we so desperately need in our life. God is willing to erase all the sin in your life by the power of the cross, but you need to forgive others. A big part of prayer 
is asking God for forgiveness in your life. So as you develop a prayer life, let me encourage you to, to say, God, search me. Are there any offensive ways inside of me? But God, am I holding unforgiveness towards somebody else? It all hinges on us keeping a short list of accounts with other people in our life that have done us wrong. God, forgive my sins as I forgive those who sinned against me. It's called the Lord's Prayer. Looking at this idea in another place in Scripture, Mark chapter 11, verse 22 uh, it kind of goes into this idea of God answering prayer again. It's interesting how answered prayer is connected with this idea of forgiveness. It says this, it says, have faith in God, Jesus answered. It says, truly, I tell you, he has to say truly because we just don't believe it. We have the tendency to believe that God can't move the mountains in our life, that we can't come to God with the things going on in our life. Does God really care about these issues happening? But he says, truly, I tell you, Truly I tell you, because if anyone says to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that they have what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. This is a great description of what pure faith looks like. Now, I don't know if there's anybody in this room that has faith that can move mountains and have them thrown into the sea, right? Like if we did, we'd probably get rid of all the cold weather that we're experiencing right now. We don't have that kind of level of faith, but that's the idea of how faith operates. That if you believe that you've received it, that, that, that the check is in the mail, that, the, that it's coming, that it's been promised. Jesus said, God said, I will do these things for you and that we can run to him in prayer, that we can believe that we've received it and God will answer your prayers. Jesus says, truly, I tell you, because it's hard for us to get our heads around it. It's true. We can pray about everything going in our life and God will move mountains in your life. This is the idea of what pure faith is. We can have an attitude of praise before the answer's even here. But Jesus doesn't stop there. It reads on in verse 25. A lot of people will use that section to talk about faith, but skip the next verse. In 25, it says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven will also forgive your sins. Jesus is being totally clear here. There's no reading the magic tea leaves in this verse. Like a lot of the Bible, you gotta kind of get your head around these abstract ideas of theology or the things happening. This is extremely straightforward. God is saying, if you hold anything against anyone and don't forgive them, that your father won't forgive your sins. If God's not gonna forgive you, he's not gonna, he's not gonna move mountains in your life. So you gotta have forgiveness in your life, if you want to experience God, you need to forgive others. First John chapter four, verse 20, says, whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, who they have, have not seen. And he has given this command, Anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. If you say, you know what? I love Jesus, 
but I hate people, you're deceived. The Bible says you're a liar. That you can't love God and walk in unforgiveness. That we have to have an attitude of forgiveness in our lives. That we can't follow Jesus and have unforgiveness towards other people. That we can't hang on to the things that people have done and, and, and have done terrible things against some of you and me. That we can't hold on to those things. That we've got to be willing to let them go. <coughs> so as we close, a couple things that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not something that is an emotion. Forgiveness has nothing to do with your emotions. You may struggle with that person that's done you wrong until the day you die. They may be recurring thoughts in your head of that thing that was done wrong to you. That can happen, but forgiveness is not linked to an emotion. You may remember it until the day you die, but forgiveness is not giving up on the memory of what's happened. It has nothing to do with your memory. You rem may remember what that person has done and have it with you until the day you die. That scar may be there. But what forgiveness is, is forgiveness is an act. It's a determination you make where you say, I will forgive you. I forgive you. I will never use it against you in the future. I will never speak of it again to anybody else. That those things that were done against you, that we let them go. See, forgiveness has a whole lot more to do with your tongue than what it does with your emotions and what you remember. Forgiveness is making a choice that I'm not gonna let these things be repeated out of my mouth again. I am going to let it go. And I'm not gonna let it define my life I'm not going to let it define our relationships, but I am going to walk in forgiveness. If you're still talking about it, if you're still rehearsing it, if you're still reminding that person of what they've done, you're not walking in forgiveness. So there's a reason why in the Lord's Prayer that Jesus talks about it because it is not an easy thing for us to do. Forgiveness is not easy. People will do you wrong. People have done you wrong and it's gonna continue happening into the future. But forgiveness is something that needs to mark the life of the believer. And as we operate in that kind of love and as we operate in that kind of forgiveness, you'll experience so much freedom in your life when you'd make the determination, I'm not going to bring this up. I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to talk about it. This is Christianity 101. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those that have done us wrong, that have trespassed against us. <coughs> uh, we're, we'll close in prayer. I don't want to talk for an hour like Pastor Mark. He's more than capable of doing it. I went almost 45 minutes, so thanks for being with us tonight. Uh, so I'll close in prayer, but, <coughs> and I got a cold, so I can't talk that long. But our kids and our youth, uh, their programs don't end for a little while, so I know we're ending a little bit early. But let me encourage you, take some time, browse the uh, Ministry Expo, find a place to get connected, find a place to volunteer. If you're here tonight and you haven't done that, we'd encourage you to do it. Also, if you have prayer requests, take some time, fill them out, and we'd love to add them to what we're praying for uh, during our prayer times, and maybe consider joining us. And then, and then lastly, 
We've got a uh, prayer school that'll be taking place. We've got sign-up sheets on both guest service counters. So as you walk out today on the guest services counter is a sign-up sheet. We'd love to know how many people we're expecting for that. Uh, Pastor Ed Gunger, Bishop Ed Gunger, uh, he's going to be joining us on Saturday and teaching a prayer school. And he's going through this thing called the daily office, where it's looking at how to use prayer books to develop a positive prayer life in your life. So uh, it, it's a great look at how to go through the Psalms and some great theologically robust prayers and how to have a daily prayer life in as little as 15 minutes, something that you can integrate into your life. So it'll be time well spent on that Saturday. It's this coming up Saturday from 10 to noon. So if you'd like to join us, maybe write your name down. We'd love to have you participate with that as well. Let's pray. Father God, we just uh, thank you for tonight, uh, the opportunity to come to you, uh, uh, God, to study your word, to talk about this issue of prayer. And Lord, I just, I'd lift up Celebration Church uh, here in Green Bay, in Stevens Point, in Appleton. Lord, we just lift up our communities and, and with our daily prayer, God, we lift up our volunteers, we lift up uh, our life groups, these areas where people are getting connected within the church, God. We pray that there would be great transformation that would take place in people's lives when they just get to know other people, that they can be real about the things happening in their life, that that'll help them become all, God, who you've created them to be. God, we give you praise here tonight. We thank you that you're the God that forgives Help us have an attitude of forgiveness towards other people. God, we don't want to be marked by unforgiveness, but I pray that we would have soft hearts towards others, that we would walk in forgiveness, that we would learn to tame our tongue, that we wouldn't speak of people that have done us wrong, but that we would learn to let it go. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless. Have a great evening. Thank you for joining us uh, next week. We have a worship and prayer night. It's a little different, but make sure you join us. It'll be great.